podcast in the world from WWE to DNA Impact by way of the NWA. It's time for Reffin' It Up with legendary referee Brian Hepner and guest host, Mr. Reffin' Rant himself, Jimmy Corderas. An all new episode starts in this. Is revving it up. Welcome back to Reffing It Up. I am RJ. I'm thrilled to be here with two of the greatest referees of all time, Mr. Jimmy Corderas and Mr. Brian Hebner. Jimmy, what's up, man? I'm doing well, especially up here. The weather has changed. We are getting it's springtime, bro. It's springtime. So, uh, you know, we enjoy it. And when it rains a little bit, it's okay because you don't have to shovel rain. Exactly. And it's actually going to get some parts of Western New York here. We're actually potentially reach 80 degrees by Thursday. So we'll see what happens with that. But is what it is. Brian, what's up, buddy? What's up, fellas? How are y'all today? Um, this is another straight second week that I'm in shorts outside. So I don't feel your pain, Jimmy. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> actually like I'm a le- I'm actually moist, uh, kind of sweaty, but not, if that makes any sense. But yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's starting to spoil me. <laughs> huh. well, Sometimes and, and, and it's okay and, to be spoiled, Brian. Weather-wise, anyway. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but even before you got on here, Brian, actually the... Lovely Mrs. Corderas is actually giving Jimmy some candy. So it's like, I guess Jimmy's been, uh, you know, a good a good boy, let's say. <laughs> She's been giving him more than candy for a long time. <laughs> K-Fay, brother. <laughs> Ixnate Wi-Fi in their roommate. Um, no, but no, yeah, definitely been looking forward to this. It's, uh, you know, finally turning that corner, uh, both in uh, the professional wrestling world and obviously here in the in the weather as well. I'm looking forward to this week, guys. Uh, we're going to welcome Gang Growl here to the show uh, in a couple uh, couple minutes, few moments, what have you. Um, definitely looking forward to that. So, no, definitely this uh, yeah. this is going to be fun, man. Um, I can't wait till he actually joins the show because, dude, that dude's fun. He's cool. Um, yeah. Reeks of awesomeness. So uh, I love it. Mm. Yeah, kind of, uh, kind of rubbed off when he was working there with Edge and uh, and Christian, without question. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. Uh, yep. something that's been rubbing off on a lot of people is this format. And let's head it up to our first count. This is your one count. Last week, uh, Mr. Tony Khan uh, announced had another special announcement. Believe it or not, guys. You know, it's not something Ooh. they can go to like social media or put a press release out. He'll go to his own show and uh, and uh, talk about it. Uh, but these uh, two big moments from last week's Dynamite. First uh, was AW announced they will be running Wembley Stadium for all in on August 27th. Gentlemen, uh, being in the WWE for as long as you have, you were, uh, I believe the last time they were there in 90, you guys were there in 92, correct? Right, Jimmy. If I'm not mistaken, that is correct. For the, uh, that was the big Bret Hart um, bulldog. Uh, yeah, D- Davy Boy Smith uh, match that headlined that show because they had the hometown hero, you know, of course, uh, right. uh, Davy Boy, you know, and uh, yeah, that was that. I was unfortunately not there for that one. <laughs> sure, yeah. but uh, 
yeah, that, that was a hell of an event. And I personally think this is a great, ingenious move for them. I really do. Mm -hmm. I think this is going to give them a lot of global exposure. Um, hopefully this leads to more global dis distribution. It's going to be really, really good for them. And I think they're going to draw really well. I really do. I think that, uh, you know, the product appears hot over here, which means that they think it's really, really hot too. So good move for them, man. And I think it's going to be a good gate. I think it's going to be just really good overall for them. I really, really do. Good move. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope my only concern as always is build to it. You know what I mean? Make sure you pump it up as big as you can. And I, I get it. It's Wembley Stadium. So it is a big deal. It sounds like a big deal already, but this is their first trip over there. You have to, you know, you know, really hammer home that we are the next generation of pro wrestling or however they want to, you know, promote it. And, and I agree with Brian. I think this is a good step for them. I think it's a good uh, introduction into that market live. And uh, obviously they're going to hit the hardcore audience where they live, but it's just about drawing the, the ones that are skeptical. Got to get now, them to come. Now this, exactly. Now this is their, this is their WrestleMania pay-per-view, right? This is their big one, right? Is mm -hmm. that, is that? All in, yes. All in. All in. Okay. And that's where it started and originated back when they did the Chicago show, right? And they weren't really AEW at that point. Correct. Right. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, what I wanted to see, guys, from both of you, because you know it's been a scuttlebutt, and Jimmy, you mentioned about the the draw to it. We're talking. This stadium holds ninety thousand, mm. legitimate. And obviously, right. you, you know, you have had concerts over there. You had, you know, the Foo Fighters been over there. Numerous other bands, and you could easily put another ten thousand in there to make it even hundred thousand. Obviously, that's not going to be the case here, but. In your guys' eyes, what amount of ticket sales and attendance would be you consider being a success for AEW? Wow. Uh, we'll start Brian first. Yeah, uh, well, you got to remember they got a build out too. There's a build out for your ramp and all that stuff, so you can close off as many as you need to moving forward into the arena uh, or stadium or whatever it is. But um, I think that when you have a capacity that people know is around ninety. I think if you don't do 60, you're going to be not considered too much of a success. In my opinion, 60,000 would be an awesome number. Um, it may, and I may be guessing too high. I don't know. And who knows? It could be higher. I don't know that. Um, we're all guessing we don't have the the ball, the genie ball in front of us and rubbing it. Um, it looks like I have two genie balls. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that's, but, that's uh, only with, uh, with manscaped.com. Right. <laughs> no, I'll make your two heads. Oh, that too. Oh, whatever. <laughs> but no, I think anything short of 60, 60K is, in my opinion, would be considered somewhat of a letdown. Jimmy? Uh, I, I kind of half agree, but I'm, I, I'll put that number at 50. Because, 50. like, yeah, because when you look at the ratings numbers that they get and compared to the, uh, the number one company in the world today, obviously, you know, something like a 50,000. And, and like you said, Brian, you could set up that stadium. You could kind of cheat the ramp a little and the stage a little forward to kind of cut off the, and make it look fuller than uh, like a full stadium, as opposed to saying, Oh, we're only, you know, utilizing three quarters of the stadium. So yeah. because you do need some backstage production uh, stuff as well. It's, it's, it's a, it's a big process. You've been there, you've seen it uh, as far as stadium shows, but um, yeah, I think, like you said, this is a good move. I think they will do well. How well is, like you said, I wish I, I, I wish I had that genie in a bottle 
where I could just rub it and just say, hey, how many fans are they going to get? And bam, the magic number shows up. But if they do, if they do 50 grand, uh, they should be happy. In my opinion. Yeah. I think I think Jimmy goes back to what you said, though, man. They need to build a fuck out of this. I mean, they need mm -hmm. to really, really go hard and really start building and thinking about what they want to do and advertise and build it show to show. I mean, I think that's going to be the most important element to this. I really, really do. If you don't do that and don't do it well, you know, that number that we're saying and thinking it, it could be much smaller if it's not done properly. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's that's obviously not what anybody wants, except maybe right. WWE. <laughs> but uh <laughs> You know, it, it, you know, we always say we want everyone to be successful. And I think this is a good, very good shot at really being successful and putting a measuring stick on who they are as the second biggest company in the world. So mm -hmm. you got to advertise the fuck out of it. You got to build it up with pro programs and stories. And if they do that well, I, I, I really think Jim, I, I, I would say between what me and Jimmy said, 1560, I said somewhere along in there. Mm -hmm. I think they'll be good. Yeah, because I was going to come in at like 45, 50 along those lines um, and hoping to that exceeds it because then, you, then you'd be surprised. You'd be happy with that. Uh, and I just was looking up, too, because I'm like, oh, August, that's going to be right around SummerSlam. Well, SummerSlam is going to be August 5th at the beginning of the month, and they're running Ford Field in Detroit, which right. they've ran WrestleMania and they've run numerous other shows. So I, I think... August is going to be one hell of a month for professional wrestling. Uh, and mm -hmm. obviously the build up to it, like you guys both mentioned, they got to prep this up to all high hell um, because being their WrestleMania, uh, it, hopefully they will, they, they'll do it just, and hopefully they'll be mm -hmm. as successful as possible. Well, I know they do better do this. They better send some guys over there. And I would use some guys that you don't typically see on their programming. I would send the big show over there in a second to right. represent AEW. I would send Mark Henry over there in a second. Mm -hmm. I would send Jericho over there. Mm -hmm. I would send your big guns over there sporadically, space them out, and really get people over there excited. You know what I mean? And really just, just man, they just – I really hope they're, they're going to really put a lot into this. And I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. Totally. He's a smart man, uh, you know. So, yeah. Go ahead, Jimmy. No, no, no. I understand. I, I, I get you saying put, put a lot into it and get these guys, you know, get people interested in it. But the only issue I have is sometimes they try to cram too much on the show and they try to and they overload it, and they yes. don't give they don't give stuff time to breathe and time people time to absorb what's going on. You know, as I always say, I hate to sound very cliche, but twenty pounds of potatoes in a ten pound bag. Take your yes. time. Tell some great stories. Get people invested. Getting you know, uh, yes, we want to see some great matches, but talk people into the seats. That's what this yes. is all about. And, you know, so, and just saying that, Jimmy, this last week's episode of uh, of Dynamite, and I'm not even lying, it was so much, whatever you said, potatoes and bags or something. I don't know. What was it? 20 pounds of potatoes in a 10-pound bag. Okay. All right. Yeah, that doesn't equal up. Uh, but <laughs> it was so frustrating to me. I turned the channel at one point. I was just like, dude, I, this is too much for me to register. I don't even know what's going on. The cameras were cutting off of the stuff I wanted to finish watching before it finished. It was just crazy. They just need to get that down, and 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 man, it would be a, so much of a better show. It really would, and and I do enjoy it. Okay, so I'm not saying I don't, but what I am saying is it's a lot to absorb. And for someone who knows what's in the business that and, and knows the ins and outs, if I'm feeling this way, you got to feel like people at home are. You know what I mean? They got to be. Right. 
like like you said, give stuff time. Some big moment happens. And instead of letting that moment sit and breathe and let the audience take it in, they cut straight to something else. And then after that, something else happens. um, They cut to something else after that. It's like, it's frustrating at times. That's all. How many beatdowns can you see in the backstage? Good God. After every promo, almost. Everybody gets beat yeah. up back there. They ought to put a ring back there and just have two matches going on at once. Fuck. Yeah. I would say put a ref back there, but they don't enforce the rules. Anymore. Never mind. No, that's, that's what they should do. Just leave the second ref that's in the back. The, you know, the ring in the back. Just don't even have a ref because that's about the quality of what is happening now. But anyway, I'll be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they'll get stay with their protocol and be wrestling outside the ring at least. Hmm. Well, sometimes I wonder why they even have a ring. Anyway, I didn't mean to beat up AEW that bad, but last week's show was for me was horrible. <laughs> well, you know, something that wasn't horrible is was the debut of Jay White to AEW. Um, I found it the way they did it, I didn't like, but the fact that he is in AEW, I do like. Um, Jimmy, you know, you've talked about this before too. Uh, over on Wrestling Inc., but what did your what were your thoughts on this? No, it's it's a good sign. Don't get me wrong, Jay White is a good talent, but the thing is, he's the talent that the hardcore fans all know and go, "Oh, great, they got Jay White." But your goal is to grow your audience, and people outside of the hardcore audience don't don't aren't likely as familiar with Jay White as the hardcore audience is. So, how do you get people to go? Oh. There's Jay White. I've heard of him. Maybe I want to ch- tune in to see what this is all about. I don't know if he gets that name value out there where you're going to attract more of an audience. And your whole goal is to grow your audience, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and and last week's, uh, see, I, I hate talking about ratings, but last week's ratings were up a little a little bit from the week before, but still not where they should be, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, Jimmy, you're... you're- all right. First of all, I think that that's great that he's the AEW. I really do. And 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 where you're exactly right is he only hits that hardcore uh, audience that knows him from basically all the marks. You know, the marks know him. What happened to the days where you build a package for him and you keep introducing him week after week after week before you really see him in the ring or cut a promo? I think they screwed it all up like the way they did it. They're just assuming that everybody knows who he is and could have got so much more out of it. So much more. But AEW is also famous for that. They think everybody knows everybody, and they just throw them out there. And, and it's simply not the case. Mm-hmm. I know Jay White is, and I think he's a hell of a hand. I think he's a great acquisition. But I just think that they could have gotten more out of it if they built it a couple weeks at least and said, who's coming, or something to that effect. You know what I mean? Where you're like on the edge of your seat wondering, who's this guy? And all you had to do was like do a switchblade. And, you know, have people that are hardcore marks say, Oh, that's gotta be Jay white. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But, but letting the casual fans that you want to bring in wonder who it is and then be introduced to them instead of just, Oh, here he is. Oh, well, who is this? You know what I mean? Kind of thing. I don't know. Am I making any sense? Yeah. To me, you are. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you make well, it a lot, make a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, mark this day down, Brian Hebner makes sense. Okay. Check. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, it again. remind me about that date. <laughs> uh yeah i just it would just be interesting to see where they go to to be honest with you because mm-hmm. a lot of the roster here 
Young Bucks, Kenny, Hangman. He's done a lot of work with, you know, it's he's got juice there and it's just like, okay, let's let's see what they can do first before we really, you know, jump to any huge, huge conclusions, of course. But well, uh, and also he, he's coming from Impact Wrestling, basically. And I mean, let's just face yeah. it. Impact Wrestling is not killing the numbers right now. I mean, they're not. And that's all, my opinion, associated with the network they're with. But mm-hmm. still, he's not coming from a big audience that was watching him every week. That's another thing. You know what I mean? So anyway, I just thought it could have been, you know, done much better. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, and some of his last last matches were here in the States when he was working New Japan and California there for a couple spots, too. So mm-hmm. uh, he hasn't really been you know, in, in, in Japan recently. Uh, so uh, the last thing before we get to our, uh, our reference review this week, I wanted to get your guys thoughts on it because both of you have been affected by it uh, in the WWE and that's the WWE draft. Um, this past week that uh, mm-hmm. triple H announced the draft is returning in a few weeks. Jimmy, uh, this is something mm-hmm. that when you were part of raw, with our guest here in a little while, uh, King Grell here in 98-99, you were sent over to SmackDown through via the draft, via what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your thoughts, or what are your thoughts, I should say, excuse me, on this? Okay, uh, as someone who was uh, a SmackDown referee from when they, from the first draft when referees and talent became brand-specific, um, I was a little bit confused by it, but uh, it also became a little bit of a friendly rivalry between brands inside the company, too. It was mm-hmm. kind of an us versus them mentality. Hey, we're better than you guys. No, we're better than you guys. Well, you guys are we're live and you guys are taped and then, you know, that sort of thing. But um, then it went away. And you saw the talent kind of crossed over quite frequently. And Triple H making that big announcement that the draft is coming back. It all depends on how they treat it after the draft. Mm-hmm. Are they going to keep uh, the talent brand specific? What are they going to do with the titles? Like, for example, with the women's division, they have a Raw women's champion and a SmackDown women's champion, which I think is okay because they don't have an intercontinental champion, a U.S. champion. They don't have a secondary title. Whereas on the men's side, you can have one undisputed universal world heavyweight champion because and lately they've been elevating these titles, you have a U.S. champion in Austin Theory on the Raw brand right now, an intercontinental champion Gunther on the SmackDown brand. And those titles have been elevated in the last little while. So having one champion there, uh, one overall world champion who has to face someone from Raw and SmackDown is fine. But the more they keep the talent separated and brand-specific, you can see more talent on your television on the two different shows and and try to elevate talent that way is one aspect of it anyways of this coming forward but it all again it's that wait and see attitude how are they going to treat this are they going to treat it like uh they did back in the day where everybody was brand specific right i i, I think it's stupid as shit i do i think it's stupid as shit it's not a draft anyway you're already drafted you're already signed it's not a draft call it a trade show um, you're trading and swapping talent. It's not a draft. No one's being drafted from their their home or their hotel or whatever. You're you're already on the roster. Give me a fucking break. It's not a draft. It's a trade show. Let's have one. Let's have one week. We have a big trade show or two week trade show. You know whatever. 
and they don't stick to it. They don't stick. What, what you got, Jimmy? No, because you just what you were saying, kind of instead of calling it a traitor or anything like that, all of a sudden on the day of the so-called draft, everyone becomes a free agent until they get signed by whichever brand. Better than what they're doing. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, yes, it's fun. It's exciting. It can be. But when you're going and swapping talent and then the talent shows back up on the program they got drafted from or traded from, uh, it doesn't make any sense. And then it it just – I don't know, man. I, I really don't know. And it, it, To me, it's just – it could be done better. I, I don't like it. I don't like the concept. I think it's – I just think it's stupid as shit. I do. Is there – is there anything that they can really do to make you feel like, hey, this is actually going to be a real deal kind of thing? Or is it just basically, hey, let's just keep them two separate? Yeah. First of all, stop calling it a draft. It's not a draft. No. Uh, let's trade people. We're going to trade places. They had a show called Trading Places, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, fuck it. Let's trade <laughs> places and, and, and legitimize it. In other words, keep them separate. Totally mm-hmm. separate. Maybe until you get to WrestleMania, maybe that can work. But I mean, or, still, and it kind of takes it away again. So I don't right. know. Or like Survivor or maybe, Series. Maybe it's or Survivor Series. Maybe it's yeah. maybe it's us against them at WrestleMania. Maybe you build that like you their champion versus your champion, their tag champions versus your tag champions. I don't know. But then you universe. I mean, uh, what is it called? Uh, universal undisputed undisputed universal heavyweight champion. Right, right. Then you get all that. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I don't know. Well, why don't we send it up to our Ref and Review? This is Ref and Review. This week, I wanted to throw a little curveball your way, guys, in the Ref and Review. I want to get your thoughts on this statement, and we'll start with Jimmy first. Uh, is your wrestling career only validated if you work at a WrestleMania? Um, the short answer is, in my opinion, yes, because I compare it, if you want to compare it to other sports, the Super Bowl. Every NFL player wants to play in the Super Bowl. And that includes referees, too. You want to referee a Super Bowl match. That goes in the NHL. That goes in Major League Baseball. It doesn't matter what professional sports it is. You want to play in that championship. And the WWE right now, whether you like this brand over that brand or or this company over that company, right now, WWE is the premier wrestling company in the world today. And the premier show on that premier company is WrestleMania. So your goal is to be a part of that show, uh, either from a talent standpoint or even from a referee standpoint. And I would have to say yes. Who has the biggest numbers as far as ratings? WWE. WWE. Who has the most capacity as far as fans that attend events? WWE. Usually. Yeah. Who can lead brand-wise, company-wise, a global Travel, in other words, a global touring. WWE. WWE. So my answer to you is yes. Yes. If you're not on the biggest and greatest stage of them all, it it, it validates you if you're, if you are, it just does. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's just say I'm going to use a referee out of the, out of a hat. Let's just use, uh, uh, I don't know. Name anybody that's not 
in WWE that's never been there. Uh, Paul Turner. Let's say yeah. Paul Turner. Okay. Right. All right. Great referee. Good guy. If he never gets there, you think he'll ever have the elevation that Jimmy Corderas, Mike Chioda, Earl Hebner, Jack Doan, um, you know, the Ron list Hebner? goes on. Well, I don't like to toot my own horn, Jimmy. Well, I'm um, it for you, bro. Well, well, well thank you. Uh, all right, Brian Hebner. But anyway. <laughs> um, but, but yes. But, I mean, you're not – I think they all get it. I don't think I need to go into detail. Mm -hmm. It's the show of all shows. It's the places of all places. It's the grandest stage of them all. There's no one that's even close to that level. I think, and if you ask the person that's never been in WWE, what their goal is, is to be in WWE, period. Mm -hmm. I don't think that these referees at AEW or Impact Wrestling are saying, I hope I finish my career right here and never go anywhere else. No, that's not true. That's not true. So I work my way backwards, you know what I mean? <laughs> WWE, <laughs> TNA, NWA, Impact, at home. So yeah, there you go. But anyway, that no, that's that, that's a great question, and I I yeah. feel that way about wrestlers as well. I do. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like that's that's their goal as well. I don't think you could ask any wrestler that works anywhere that's never been to WWE where they want to ultimately be. And I can you could ask MJF that. You could ask any of these top guys that have never been to WWE where they want to be. AJ Styles is another one, great example. Always thought he finished his career in Impact, and then he got wise and figured out, I'm better than I'm thinking. I can actually go to WWE, and did. And guess what? His paychecks, his house, his cars all got a little bigger. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So, and not only that, but his name is out there. His name is etched in stone as one of the greatest wrestlers, in my opinion. So, yes, yes, yes. Without question. Mm -hmm. Well, that being said, let's send it up to our second count and a little talk a little about uh, Gangrel's early career. He, Gangrel, started training down with Boris Malenko in Florida. That name is synonymous with training, and it's interesting to see, gentlemen, you know, the circle of training he's training now he is trained by one of the best of all times but what i wanted to uh first ask to you jimmy is you know he does a lot of work here down in the southern and southern um states you know uswa southern champion uh you know pro wrestling illustrated rookie of the year in 93 but the first time that you've seen him was probably probably what, like mid 90s to late 90s there in wwe yeah, I mean, like, uh, I vaguely, like, very vaguely remember him coming in and doing, like, a dark match, but this was before the whole uh, Gangrel character took off and became uh, special. But uh, when that character did debut, everybody kind of stopped and went, hmm, because, you know, there is that genre out there that's into that um, type of character. And mm -hmm. the question was, can we transition this into pro wrestling and make it work and get people interested. And as we saw, it it did, and the group grow, grew. Mm. So so he did connect eventually with the audience. It's again all about connecting with your audience through your spoken words, your character, and how you are presented on television. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And how you yeah. are presented in front of a live audience and how they react to you. And Gangrel understood that as good as he what regardless of what he could do in the ring, he understood that. It was the Gangrel character that got him over more than what he did maneuver-wise. Yeah. 
Now, Brian, obviously working here, you're earlier in your career here with WWE because you're working part-time there in the late 90s, early 2000s, right? Yes, yep. So that was before you made the jump over to SmackDown. So you're working part-time. Did you get any run-ins? Because I know you did a lot of like dark matches, heat matches, what have you. Uh, any run-ins with Gangrel earlier on before he officially became Gangrel in 98? Yeah, I actually met him uh, before I got into the business as a young man. And when I say young man, I'm talking about like 15, 16, 17, 18, somewhere along in there. Um, he was married to uh, Luna. Uh, what a great guy, man. What a great guy. And he was so nice. And I was very intimidated by him because he kind of walks around and looks his gimmick. Like, uh, it's weird. Like, he, when you see him in the airport, you you see something you've never fucking seen. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, I've got a picture on my Instagram. If anybody wants to scroll through, it was uh, a couple years back though, with me and him taking a picture after a match, and he's get that face going on, and I'm like, holy shit! After I look back mm. at it, and I'm like, how is anybody not scared of this motherfucker, man? Yeah. But uh, but no, no, just uh, I met him early in my years before I got into the actual business, and just was in all because he was just such a great guy too. He, he looked scary and mean and all that stuff, but God, what a nice guy. Yeah. You know, and, and he's still doing a lot of, a lot of work, uh, both as a trainer and he's still doing a little, a couple spots here and there, mm-hmm. um, in the ring too. But it's interesting to see a lot of these great guys going into training. He's the head trainer at uh, coastal championship wrestling in Florida. Uh, so obviously we'll talk about that with him too, but just to name a few of the, uh, uh, training alumni that came out of that school, just to tell you a little bit about how, how good he really is. Jacob Fatu, MVP, Rusev, AKA Miro, Paige Van Zant, and, uh, Killian King or Kylan King, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Who is currently a hat one half, I believe, of the Impact Tag Women's Tag Team Champions. Um, but I may be wrong with that, so don't terribly quote me on that. But um it, it just goes to show how good he is. He could pretty much do 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 anything. Um do you are you guys surprised? I'm sorry, go ahead, Jimmy. No, no, I just I, I love the fact that it's a diverse uh talent that he that you know that has graduated, that he's been a part of their um, growth and success. And you take someone, like you mentioned, he started off at the Boris Malenko school. Then he ended up up in Calgary with Stu Hart. You're talking about a guy who learned the old school way, but understood how to incorporate. I keep talking about incorporating old school with new school. Mm-hmm. That's what Gangrel did when, when that, that whole Gothic uh, vampire character came about, he was able to understand that. And I think what he's the biggest thing he could teach his his students now, the ones that he's training, is he can teach them all the the nuts and bolts of what to do in the ring, but he could also talk to them about character development, how to come up with something that works for you. Mm-hmm. He is, uh, I will say this, working with him, now I only worked with him just a little portion of my WWE days, just a little bit, and I worked with him a lot after my WWE days, and yeah, I think he was in Portland for a while when I was doing some stuff with that shyster, cheap, broke-ass uh, booker, Jeff Manning. Yeah, I'm putting your name out there. Jeff Manning, you broke bitch. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so he was doing some work out there with him. And, man, to watch this guy 
could structure a match and to teach why he's at the building. He doesn't have to. He just doesn't. He's like he's like one of those. <laughs> I don't know if you'll appreciate this or not, but I'm giving him a compliment. But this nerdy teacher that only cares about math, but he cares about wrestling. And he just like he just takes it to another level. He just shows them how to do facial expressions. He shows them how to, as Jimmy would say, sell your character. That's what people are looking at first. Your character, your character, your character. And then watching him put a match together is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, he's no spring chicken at this at this point in his career. And the guy can still go unbelievably and put on a good match. He's learned too through the years to work with his age as well, you know? So that's good. Well, let's take a short break and we'll welcome him in, in just a moment. This is your two count. Gentlemen, we, we promised and we delivered. We have the man himself, Mr. Gangrel. Gangrel, welcome to the show, my friend. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Can you guys hear me? Okay. And everything. Absolutely. Yes, good. Ah. Tremendous, fang in the bang. <laughs> I don't know. It's in between. Uh, I came out of the rest of the school. It's kind of overcast. I don't know if I need the sunglasses or not. I may leave them on for character stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Gangy, what's up? Them, I used to leave them on because I did shady things and illegal substances, but now I'm all good. And <laughs> I think I'm pretty healthy now. I'm pretty good in life now. <laughs> the, good, the, the good old days of pro wrestling, huh? <laughs> Yeah, that good old attitude era. Yes. <laughs> Gangy, what's up, man? Thank you so much for joining the show. I know that you're busy. Uh, uh, when I talked to you, I, I knew you were going to be busy. I knew it. And I was like taking a shot in the dark. And I was just like, let's see. I yeah. appreciate it very much. Yeah, you caught me. You know, I, I, the funny thing is I was sitting on the plane with Kurt Angle. And he literally was saying goodbye. And he, we were talking about podcasts. He goes, oh, I just did one. Blah blah blah. He was talking about you guys, and literally, you get off the plane, the phone rings, and shoot. I go, damn, fucking curse set me up, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then I go, how, how weird your ears must have been burning or something. You know, it's crazy. Like, well, one thing I did find out about that conversation on the phone is that uh, you are a bone jangles guy. I am a Bojangles guy. I love some dirty rice. <laughs> spicy, <laughs> spicy fried chicken and dirty rice. Yeah, man. I, I I had already eaten too, but there's no Bojangles in South Florida. So we're going through Charlotte and I was connected and it happened to be right there at the B Gates, right where the Bojangles is. And I, I ate, even though I was full, I regret it. But I, I tore some Bojangles up before that next flight. <laughs> oh, awesome. I wish I, I wish uh, uh, the great Kali was into Bojangles because him, 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 uh, I was saddled with him for a little while and it was every day it was the same thing jimmy we stop at denny's and i'm like oh, denny's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, i can only eat denny's once a week on my budget <laughs> <laughs> I, i've done found out this guy's the biggest tightwad ever <laughs> hey. who no. me Yes, yeah. you. <laughs> hey, I guess I gotta save for the nursing home years, man. <laughs> I'm only I, I didn't used to be like that. I am now because some bad decisions. Uh, the marriage to Luna, uh, I love her to death, but like money just like it just like vaporized, like Thamos came and just <laughs> disappeared. <laughs> so uh, yeah, now now I gotta I gotta cut. I don't cut the corners, but I, I just don't go do stupid things, you know. And then. Uh, yeah, I, I just try to do the right stuff and, and get to bed at night and not stay out spending my money in the bar. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you say you're trying to do the right stuff or the good stuff? I didn't hear you. All that. All that. <laughs> Both A and B. 
right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a leads to B, and then there's C. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, and, and unfortunately, with C, sometimes it's the it, it, it ends up affecting your cash. See you later. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> it does, man. But life is good, and and uh, I'm just blessed, and I'm happy to be here. So, what's going on, guys? What do you want to talk about? No, you know, I, I I first wanted to t- talk about real quick, Angrel, just your setup, getting to WWE here in '98. Um, you you've been around. You pretty much have done it all. You territories. You ECW, WCW mentality getting into the company in 98 you've been all over you get into the company you know this is pretty much you know the beginning of the attitude era what was your mentality getting into the quote-unquote land of the giants well i I, (laughs) it's a funny thing is i've been in and out of there doing jobs like an enhancement guy for like since 89 I mean, you might even be able to go back as far as 88 and find me on tapes uh, getting beat up over, you know, putting people over, coming in and out. And I had a couple tryouts and I was trying to do the vampire thing and they weren't having, they didn't really care about it. And then I had a tryout in 92 or three and uh, Jerry Lawler liked it. They, they they told me they would never use it. Like at one point, Vince McMahon, and, and this was like 97, 90 into 96, 97, he said, get rid of those fangs. Lose some more weight, grow your hair in, because I'm not going to use that vamp. I'm not going to use the vampire character. Like he said that straight up, and uh, and I did all that. But then in the process of all that, I, I kind of just had given up on WWF. To tell you the truth, I had a tour of all Japan, but I had just been to the WWF dojo, and uh, with with Dory Funk, I did that, and uh, I was in that dojo for two weeks. I, I I worked on my lunch break. I gave people private tryouts like Dan Severin and Eric. Uh, uh, Watts and stuff like that, and they would ask me who to hire on there. They go, "What do you think about tests?" Oh crap, I got my alarm, so I don't miss you guys. They would ask me about tests, different people. Andrew, then you know, what do you think about this guy, Prince Albert? What do you think about this guy? <laughs> you know, like, and uh, you know, whatever. They never asked me about myself. So when I left that uh, tryout, or uh, not tryout, but the camp, I kind of just said, "Whatever, this isn't happening." You know, for whatever reason, it's not going to happen. And I was booked in all Japan. And I went to all Japan, just just as myself, David Heath, um, just trunks and boots. And I went there, and on that tour, that was Steve Williams, Doctor Guest Steve Williams' last tour. And they, uh, all, yeah, Johnny Ace came to me and he said, "Hey, I, I got good news, uh, you know, for you that Giant Baba wants to offer you a year contract. He doesn't really do that with guys gene foreigners and stuff like that, but they really want you. But on the other hand, uh, WWE has contacted me and said, or WWF at the time." they have a contract waiting on you and uh, when you come home. So you got to make a choice like right now. Like, <laughs> so I, uh, I went back and forth on that. And Luna eventually said, Hey, I'm here. You want to come here? Trust me. So I went with that decision. Literally when I got back, back to the States, there was no contract. And then, then they offered me a developmental contract, but I'd oh. already told Bob, but no. So I had to like kind of swallow it up and I didn't sign that. But then eventually uh, I did sign a contract, uh, uh, really low end, whatever it is, the basic contract. And then when I signed that, they told me, uh, you're not going to work uh, for like a year. We're just sitting at home. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, and I got in the best shape of my life. I had a couple of abs, you know, I was feeling good. <laughs> and then uh, they, uh, I was home like a week. And then I get a call from Vince Russo that says, hey, can you, hey, bro, can you still do that vampire thing? And I'm like, ah, I got rid of the fangs. And I'm, I said, sure. And then he goes like, tomorrow, can you be on a plane and they want this was a Friday night, and so I got on a plane. So I went. I had to go out to Hot Topics. That's how I, I had to go out to Hot Topics to come up with all the crap. I came up with that poet shirt and the 
suede pants and then I had to go to Journey's next door and get new rocks and the boots. And I, I mean, that's where all, all that came from. But uh, then I started doing the vampire thing. So it was a slow journey. I mean, I really was trying to get in there when I was younger. And then I just kind of given up on it. I, th I think sometimes you just kind of give up on things and you go other directions and it just happens for you, you know? Did you get your Did you get your money back from all the shit you bought? No, man. I bought every white puffy shirt my damn self, man. <laughs> and I went through a lot of white puffy shirts, but I don't want to be a pirate. But I went through a lot of shirts, man. You didn't, you didn't turn the receipt into Uncle Dave? No, man. They didn't, uh, maybe I wasn't smart and hip to the hop or something like that. But I, I didn't get anything covered on any of that stuff, man. <laughs> Man, so so turn it into my tax guy. <laughs> what what made you decide on that whole gothic vampire gimmick? What what made you think to go in that direction? I guess that was uh, like the hot thing going on in Hollywood at the time. Well, no, it was uh, it was in nineteen uh, like nineteen ninety. I was sitting with Luna having a baloney blowout. You know, we we, we just have a bunch of sausages and cheap meat, and salamis and cheese and crackers and a bottle of wine. She says, "You got to." So Slater uh, told me about this movie, Slater. You got to check this movie out, The Lost Boys. So uh, I was I watched the movie with her, and you know I had I had, a, I had a little bit of a red wine buzz, and I was like ah like I just kind of blurted out it'd be cool to wrestle as a vampire. And she goes, you should, you should wrestle as a vampire. And I go, oh no, you can't be doing that in wrestling. You know, I don't, you know what I mean. I didn't want to be that guy. You know, how, I know wrestling evolves over the years and things change, but like a vampire, I'm like no, you can't do that. And then um, and then uh, eventually. Like a week later, I was outside doing something, and a fellow named Barabas that booked from Puerto Rico came up. He goes, "Hey man, you look like a wrestler." And I was just in between characters. I had a falling out with my partner doing these black cards with the black mace uh, mask and white mask over it. We were like the bastard sons of Stu Hart coming back to claim our throne in the Hart Dynasty. So we were called the Black Cards. So I wasn't tagging with him anymore. So I was in between things. When he asked me, uh, what, "What do you do? What is your character?" I blurted out vampire, and he loved it. So then I had to figure out all of a sudden. Oh crap! I don't have any. He wanted a picture and everything. I said, I've never been a vampire, so I uh, I ran out and uh, I went home to Luna and uh, I found some Lee press-on nails, cut them to shape for my teeth, and super glued them in, painted them the color of my teeth, you know, and uh, uh, painted some big black eyebrows on. I spiked the mohawk up, and there was the vampire warrior. I did that from um, ninety on to to '98 when I became Gangrel. So it was the movie The Lost Boys. Long story, long answer for a short story. It's the movie The Lost Boys, but but I did so, live the gothic. One of the pushed me through that gothic lifestyle. Before I got there in WWE, we were like she she was out. She was a lot of fun, and we'd go out to clubs and dress up and see who could pull a girl first, you know. And get over there. Oh lord! So, yeah. so, so gang, you can't be you can't be a vampire, but you can be a plumber and you can be a dentist, right? <laughs> yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Those, those like like those those uh, industry jobs or whatever. Yeah, TJ Hopper <laughs> or whatever. Isaac Yankums. Yeah, no, but but I I didn't want to like I didn't want to be a bad. I mean a monster vampire. But I mean you think about it. I did fit into Memphis, and that's where I got the the break over here in the states. Puerto Rico. I worked as a vampire warrior, and, but like people didn't really know anything about Puerto Rico. But then when Memphis in '93 with Lawlers, when I got some more magazine attention and stuff like that and ended up getting like the PWI rookie of the year back then and stuff. So it brought a lot of attention to you. So it was a good thing. And then, uh, but, but WWE really didn't see it. It was Bruce Pritchard and Tom and Russo, uh, uh, Dr. Tom, that kind of got it. They got it, but Vince Man hated it. <laughs> <laughs> but even because you made, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Cause you made, made that character work big time. 
And it, when did Vince warm up to it, or did he uh, the whole time? It was one of those I can't, you know, you know, Vince, <laughs> I can't believe this gimmick is working. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was a lot like that. I don't think he ever warmed up to the gimmick. He warmed up to me, but I don't think he ever warmed up to the character. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was more like you know, you'd hear Jr. come out and you'd say to uh, Shame and Man when they're doing commentary, "Here comes your dad's favorite character." <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. so you know what he was saying. He'd been buried in every meeting. I hate this. I mean, Vince told me himself he hated it. I didn't know how to get over it. So you know, I almost got fired on my uh, uh, second match there. Uh, my first match was with Scotty Tuhati. Took mm-hmm. care of me like an angel, man, Scotty. Knew what to do. He knew what they wanted. Took care of me. I get in there with Brian Christopher the next night. Brian talks me into doing a, uh, a 50-50 match all over the place. And man, and if it wasn't if I wasn't friends with the pyro guys and 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 stuff like that, I would have been gone. Because when I came back, they came running. They came run, running to me and goes, "Oh, Vince is up there screaming and throwing things at Russo, saying, who the fuck you? Oh, excuse my language. What are you trying to get me to push here? This guy, this this whole character, he can't even get over. Blah 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 blah. And then, long story short." I had to catch Vince walking, and he was in one of those strides, one of those like on a mission walks. And I got oh. in front of him, and I said, "Yeah." And he tried to walk around me, and I, I kind of slid, and I said, "Hey, I heard you were upset with me." And blah blah. He goes, "And I go, hey, it'll never happen again. I get what happened. It's my time to get over. I went out there. I misunderstood things. I said I've been doing jobs since here '89. I have to, <laughs> my my toes been pointed toward the ceiling, not my heels for <laughs> like 15 years, man. So, uh, like I get it. And he goes, it'll never happen again. I go, no, sir. And he goes, then we're good. And that was it. <laughs> well, Vince, Vince probably didn't like your character because he probably thought that you'd bite his fucking neck. Um, I don't know, man. I heard all kinds of stories. I heard he used to tell Shane like stories of the boogeyman, but it was a vampire in the closet and stuff like that. Who knows, man? I don't know. <laughs> all these different random stories. For all I know is I, I don't think he really cared for the character very much. <laughs> like, or Cause he told me himself, he wasn't going to use it. So with that being said, him telling you that, and then they use it, that, that's a nail in the coffin against you right there. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. so uh, all and of then a sudden, when I got sued for the name, that didn't help any well. I'm sorry, Jimmy. No, <laughs> no, no, absolutely. No, don't be sorry, please. And then, uh, and then I heard I heard Vince pick the name Gangrel because they said I had to have a name. Somebody didn't run it for legal. So after I debuted by Monday, they already had the lawyers there <laughs> suing the shit out of them over the Gangrel name. Yeah. Oh, wow. what, what does that mean? What is that? What does Gangrel mean? Is that just what is that? I don't understand. Gang, Gangrel was a clan, a clan of vampires. Like your last name's Hepner. It's like a clan. Uh, and then there, there would be like Brujas. They were like a clan. They were like a rock and roll tattooed up type. Gangrels were more like what Edge would have been. Uh, like a werewolf looking like type of character, shape shifting. You know, they're, they're different clans. They were just different clans, not an independent vampire, you know. So, uh, but, but Vince liked that name, Gangrel, and, and he picked it, I heard. And, uh, um, it, oh, crap. I, I gotta get this. Are you guys still there? Yeah. Yep. Still there? Yep. All right. All right. My phone's going crazy. Um, I'm out in the truck. I'm sorry. Yeah. So he picked it and then they didn't run it through legal. And there was, they ended up having to lease the name. I think I could be wrong for like five years. That's why every magazine you saw the masquerade advertised me standing in a ring of fire with that book, the masquerade. It was a role playing game for vampires. So I think I was just a thorn in the side because I have the trademark for it now. I have it registered, copywritten all the A to Z. I'm, I'm covered on that. And, uh, and I still can't get anywhere with them on a nostalgic deal or anything like that. Like we've talked and then they ghosted me. So I think that name is just like that. They just don't want nothing to do with it. Wow. <laughs> well, good for me, man. I work every weekend. I'm so blessed. I'm still riding. It was a perfect storm. 
of music and entrances and being with two great Canadians like Edge and Christian and and, and come together. <laughs> no, so that that was going to be my next question. How'd that come about? Whose idea was it to bring them in as part of the brood? Well, I, I was feuding with Edge, but I kept telling him from the get go. I never wanted to. I was a big Freebirds fan. So, and the movie The Lost Boys was a group of vampires. So I was always pushing for a group, like a faction. I said, hey, we can lose every night as long as we're cool doing it. Like, vampires are cool. Now, we don't get that. And I said, I'm telling you, you can lose. And we did lose almost every night as the brood. <laughs> you can lose every night. You can lose every night. And, and as long as you're cool doing it, people are going to love you because you're a vampire. It, it, you just keep living forever, you know? And uh, that was the whole idea of it. They, uh, I think there was talks of bringing in... Um, uh, Chris Daniel, uh, Christopher Daniels at one point, and also Dr. Luther. Uh, but uh, Edge got got his, uh, you know, his friend Christian uh, in, in there, and it ended up being Christian, and there you have it, the brood, you know. Was there ever really, with the brood, was there ever really any, like, long-term booking for the, the faction, or is it just kind of week-by-week, show-by-show kind of thing? Well, the whole, whole brood run was only eight months. Right. So you think about that. There's nothing long term there. <laughs> yeah, that was everything. I think it was just a, um, Vince Russo. I've heard him say that it wasn't. I I I was told it was a shuttle for Edge. They they, they wanted Edge was the man. That's the guy that they were banking the future of the company on. They wanted me. They told me to get blend him in, look out for him, get everybody to get along with him. Don't let him get hurt or you know just 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 get him in with the group of guys because I knew all the older guys from wrestling so long going doing. Malaysia, different tours after, you know, being around, I knew all the older guys and being with Luna. So I knew them all. And so like, it just told me just kind of like, look out for him. Cause he was, he was their future. They made that clear. Now other people say there was long-term plans for the brood, but it maybe just got too popular too quick. Cause if we were only eight months and we got as popular as we did at the eight months, if you would have left edge or Christian in there any longer, they would have been consumed by the brood the whole time. So they had to get out of it. So it was short term, you know, or they would have been, they'd have just been known as the brood. I was sitting next to uh, Christian at a convention, and Edge tells me this all the time, too. He goes, wherever they go, first thing they ask is about the brood. Most of the time, they just ask at, at the brood, oh, the brood stuff, Bob, and then they go on to their, you know, the single careers. So it was very memorable. It was very iconic, very blessed with the fire and the music and all that. So it was a very, it's just one of those, uh, I was blessed, man. So I, I'm still riding that wave, what is it, like 25 years later? <laughs> like, yeah. Absolutely. So, so let's break down the curtain for a minute because I found something very interesting you just said. So your job was to protect and help build Edge, right? So well, just, what just to get him – go ahead. What, what did that mean for you, though? How, how are you taking all this in? Like, in other words, that had to be tough because you're not stupid. So you know that they're grooming a guy, right, around you. Man, Luna, Luna, a long time ago, wrestling became black and white. I just didn't. There was no gray fairy tale pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Uh, maybe, maybe now I would took it more offensively because I'm more business. My mind's more clear. But back then, I was just I had my seatbelt on and I was just riding the hoopty hoops and the loopy loops and just enjoying the stuff. And I didn't think too much about it. So uh, I, I say constantly, and I've even I've told Adam this talking to him and other people. I said, if my head was is where it is now. I'd probably be running that company, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. now, now. Yeah, no, that's a bold statement, but, but wow. that's how clear, like my head, I was just, didn't care back then. It was just black and white. Okay. That's what they want. That's what I'll do. You want me to uh, put somebody over in two minutes? I can do it in a minute. Like you know, I can, I can do it in a minute and get you there, you know, which was a downfall on my end because, you know, Vance is, and everybody knows he likes you to 
compare and question things and, and know what's going on and not just agree all the time and go, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but uh, again, I was, uh, in a crazy relationship. I, I was young, uh, when I got with her and, and I'm not blaming her or anything like that. She's a lovely, the best thing in my life, uh, uh, at that point. Um, it's just, it was just a crazy ride. I just had my seatbelt on riding that roller coaster, you know? <laughs> yeah, Good deal. Uh, so you end up getting a singles uh, uh, European title match here against uh, X-Pac here at uh, Royal Rumble 99 for the European title. Um, going from, you know, the faction, you'd be in this, you'd be in the, in the ministry a little bit later. This run here, a lot of the stories that we hear, hey, if you want to have a good match, get with X-Pac, get with Sean Waltman. Was that kind of, you know, you've been all over the world. Sean Waltman, great guy to work with there in the ring during this match. Well, we trained together. So I like, actually I was a trained ahead of him. So I was like, when you go to wrestling school, you have people helping train. I was like assistant helping train him. We trained together under Boris Malenko. So like I could wrestle Waltman in my sleep. Like, <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I could. He's tremendous. He's, he's tremendous. I, I, uh, the, the only thing, something happened in that match. I don't know what it was. They blamed Teddy Long. They blamed that. I think it was just a botched spot on all, all three of our parts. I think Teddy caught the heat on it. Um, it was like a, a cross body or something. It was supposed to be a roll through and something, and he stopped. But it was definitely a botch on all three of us, to be honest. You know, but uh, Sean was tremendous to work with. Like, he would leave ASIC prints on my face, but I was used to that because we grew up uh, sleeping on floors in, uh, for Phyllis Lee over in Tampa. And then we'd also train with the UWF guys on a Sunday morning, getting stretched and put the sleeping crooked head scissors. So we were used to a little bit of uh, physicality. And then going to Calgary was no different. And then working all Japan at 19 years old, working over there with all these guys and not knowing what you're doing. Yeah, you tend to wear a lot of boot prints and boot laces across your head. So, uh, you know, things don't bother you as much, you know. So you shake it off. So you like that little bit of a snugger style. But uh, not now. Now I'm 54. I, I, I I treat you how I want to be treated. <laughs> nice and easy. Nice and easy. But, uh, but I love working Sean and I love the physicality of it and the fast, like that faster pace and all that. I really enjoy it. Now, listen, don't come on this show bearing referees. I mean, we don't do that on here. <laughs> I'm defending Teddy. I defended him. I'm, I'm him. Oh, no. We bear the fuck out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've said all of us blast it up, but they, they, they pointed a finger at him because of the count or whatever. But. But in reality, it was, it was, it, you know, it was probably me that blatched, to be honest. But. <laughs> yeah. now, now, did you, you weren't uh, at that time considered the role of a trainer, but they did rely upon you to help talent get over. Uh, and, and again, you looking after them. When did you decide that, hey, this is something that I really love doing and I'm going to continue doing it. And like, like now you're, you know, you're the head trainer at Coastal, is it Coastal Championship Wrestling? Yeah, Coastal Championship Wrestler. Yeah, I've been running schools since before. Like, I ran – the first school I ran was uh, Dean Malenko School. Uh, mm -hmm. Dean at Tampa, I ran ran that. Then um, I ran – well, off, office too. I ran office school for a while. I went there to train with the Samoans. So I trained with Boris Malenko. Then I trained in the, the dungeon in Stampede up in Calgary. I trained in the dungeon. And then I went later – on uh, uh i said oh, i want to train a little bit more so i went with to, up to the samoans and i was staying with Alpha, but i ended up running that school so that was the first school i ever had <laughs> i went back to florida <laughs> i went back to florida and uh i ran dean school and then uh from there i moved out to la I, well i went to wwe from there uh it was in wwe and then after that i when i moved out to la i opened a school with rikishi's cousin the black pro uh 
called Knox Pro. Opened that out there. That's for trained Rusev and some people like that. And then uh, that's what I dug it. Then I came back to Florida, opened my own school, ran into some problems with my business partner, and ended up here at Coastal Championship Wrestling. Uh, I've always liked training. I, I I knew I liked it back uh, in 87 or 88, you know. <laughs> I've always liked it. The guy that trained me, I didn't have money uh, to pay. He said, I always just give back to pro wrestling. He trained me for nothing. I paid 300 down, but I was he trained me from nothing, put me down in the books, and then I always started I started training there. To, to pay back and worked on it. And then and I've always just been a part of uh, helping and, and, and trying to make uh, pro wrestling better one individual at a time. <laughs> well, before you came on air, uh, Gangi, I had, uh, I had said to these guys, uh, we were just going over a little bit of your career before you got on. And, you know, I, I didn't get a big chance to work with you in WWE, WWF at the time. I got some, it was usually Sunday night heat, which means you have heat. Um, <laughs> well, I was on Jack a lot too, so see, I got shot on Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, I was, on, I was on all that bullshit too. Don't don't feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so you know when we were in, it was a one particular moment we were in Portland uh, working with that shyster Jeff Manning. Yeah, I'm gonna mention you again, you fuck. Um, <laughs> anyway, you don't <clears throat> say her, but I will. Fuck you, Jeff Manning. Um, you were backstage. You came in, put your shit away, changed your clothes, and you went out to the ring and you just started teaching. And you just started going over things with guys. You didn't have to do that, but you did. And I was listening very, very intently, even though it looks like I'm a dumbass and I'm not paying attention, but I do really pay attention to shit. And I just noticed how you were really putting over about character, facial expressions to all these people and just really just trying to tell these, these guys how to maintain themselves. I was so impressed because they all listened and you, the way you said it made it seem so clear to me as a referee, not as a wrestler. Cause obviously I'm not a wrestler and never will be a wrestler, but your teaching method is very effective, very effective. I would love to be a wrestler. If I knew I was gonna be trained by you, is there some kind of way or niche that you have that you kind of embrace and are proud of that you, can say, I'm, I, this is what I do, and this is why I do it. Well, I look at every uh, young gentleman and lady that comes through the door as a, a chance to clear all my mistakes, you know, <laughs> get it all right <laughs> through them, uh, you know. So all the mistakes and all the crying and stairwells and and all the, all the silly things I did, uh, I tried to, to save them from all that. And uh, I just, uh, I, I don't know, I just... I hear people complain about wrestling and complain about the wrestlers and the stuff they do, but nobody complaining is one thing, but I feel instead of complaining, do something about it and help somebody else out at the same time. So uh, that's why I just, you know, it's, it's, it's a win, win, win. It's, it's like a triple win. It gives me pride. I'm so prideful in them. I, I, it's like watching myself in the ring. I, I when it, something goes great for them, I'm over the top. I'm ecstatic. My heart's beating. When it goes bad, I'm just a sad and, you know, I feel horrible, you know, and then, but then, but the experience, I know how to let it go. And then I'll talk to them and, you know, get them through it. So like, um, it's just a pat. I just didn't know I'd be so passionate about it. And I'm still doing it. I get a better, I get a better rush out of training than it. I, I still love wrestling. Don't get me wrong. But when I, when I see them nail it or, or, or find a little bit of success and I, I see them, that, that happiness in them and I'm just, I'm an energy vampire. I'm really stealing their energy. I'm just a selfish bastard. I'm stealing all their <laughs> energy so I can live another 20 years, you know, through these guys, you know, but um, no, I'm just, it's just amazing. It's an, and I'm, I'm just blessed 
to be able to understand that I didn't understand teaching at first. I had to go back because when, when I was started training, they just told you to do something, you did it. And then you had to get out on the road in the territories and figure out what you're doing wrong. And then hopefully somebody took you under the wing and would help you uh, and, and educate you and tell you, Hey kid, you need to do this. You need to do that. But uh, you know, as things evolve and everything. So uh, I just, I had to, as I was teaching, as I got to uh, my own school, down here in Florida when I came back from California I couldn't get like it's a different breed of individual it's a different generation and they weren't just getting it they weren't I would go hey uh, tackle drop that you know and I would show it to them but they weren't and, and the footwork and stuff uh so I had to go back and watch all my old stuff and relearn like how to explain I had to look at my footwork and go okay I need to explain it like this so now I was just before I came in here uh, to come do the podcast. I have students in there, and all we're doing in the ring is footwork. We're right foot dropping, feeding, tagging corner. I'm just we're walking around the ring. We got a 16, 18, and 20. They're walking around the rings right now. They just started, so they're walking in the 16. I'll move them to the 18. And and then before they ever start rolling and getting to all that, I spend more time on footwork. But I had to go back and look at my footwork and the stuff I do to explain to this different generation that, that uh, how, to, how to do it because they weren't all they're not all athletes now they're more computer and, and, and uh, electronic driven and stuff and they show up wanting to be a pro wrestler and uh, it's when you get athletes that played former like college football or played sports their whole life it's, it's a lot easier because they understand the footwork but but you get more uh people that tend to see that they were just more on computers and to computer and class you know whatever they are they, they didn't do anything physical or, or a competitive sport so i had to go back and figure out what i did and how i did it looked at it and then learn how to teach it so it, it, it's made it more interesting and now that i understand that it, it, it's even a lot more fun for me because i make progress now before i was getting frustrated going oh i'm a terrible teacher i gotta i don't know what's going on sure i could teach characters in this and you know there's the hard cam don't run into it this way work that way all that kind of stuff but without their footwork and their foundation, they're never even going to get to that point. So, you know, Absolutely. So, yeah. so I, have to, I had to go back, rewind, reboot myself. And it was a learning experience. And, and COVID helped a lot with that, too. And uh, through that, as, as I evolved a lot more by myself doing one-on-one -on -one classes, because you couldn't have main classes. So I would spend eight hours a day having two students at a time, two students at a time. So uh, it, it helped me really to become, I, I, I hope, a better a better uh, guide, guide or teacher and stuff like that. So, now, like you said, you love giving back in that sense and teaching and trying to to help this next generation. When you go out there to a place uh, where there is young talent, do they come to you and do they appreciate you coming to them? Or are some of them now, is there, uh, I, I'm not trying to paint a picture of the young talent. They don't want to listen to the old timers anymore. But is there a little I, bit of that going on? Well, uh, some, very few nowadays will come up and ask, hey, can you watch my match or or this, I, I have to read the room. And and then even with the guys that I work sometimes, I, I have to read the room and, and get the vibe. Eh, do I even take my time? Because the other day I went over to tell two girls that they were doing something. Just wanted to, it, I was watching the match. I was, I was able to watch the match. And, and I, I sat, sat there for like 10 minutes. Do I say anything or not? Do I? And then I approached them and they were like, oh, she's just green. And then they just kind of blew me off. And I went, Oh wow, this must be the stuff I hear about. Like, this is why people don't want to talk. <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, uh, damn, I was just trying to help them, you know. And I thought, mm -hmm. that, like, and, and the experienced girl was horrible, and they were putting her over. I'm not even gonna say her name, but she was like god awful. And 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 I'm not knocking her, or I would say her name. I don't want to put her out there, but I was like, how? Wow. I was like, okay. And then you know, so I, I you just got to read the room and figure out who really wants it or not. And you know, there's people that that do. They are, but 
it's you got to be selective about it now. I would like to help everybody if they want it. Hey. I mean, I'll, I'll say to them, well, I don't know anything, but I just want to suggest, you know, something to you. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't, you know. But it's always, you know, people come in from other schools, train different ways. I never knock any other training or anything like that. It's just there's a thousand ways to do things. Everybody does things, you know, as long as you get to where you need to be and it's safe, you know, and it's believable, you know. But it. uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wild card generation, man. They're a bunch of mavericks without the skill out there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 like I uh, I say to these guys all the time. Uh, it's 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 not about the twisting burning 450 hammer phoenix splash. That looks spectacular. And everybody goes, yeah. ooh, ah. But when your opponent yeah. kicks out of it, the, what, what did it accomplish? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Well, and, and the most open up with it in the first two minutes of a 10 minute match <laughs> yeah and then it, it almost feels like the most devastating move in wrestling nowadays is and, the roll-up and, and not being political or anything I, I i appreciate the athleticism and it, all that i like i love watching lucha but i just don't get it sometimes that's all <laughs> well, well, go, ahead, go ahead and watch wednesday night you tell me figure that out <laughs> i'll be teaching class man <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing that's not a bad thing yeah yeah, I stay here. I'm in here Monday through Thursday, and then uh, on the road Friday, Saturday, Sundays, and also. So I'm in the ring seven days a week, pretty much, man. So I'm, um, it's keeps me out of trouble. Idle hands keeps me keeps me on the on the uh, keeps me on my wife's good side. You know? <laughs> and you can see that you're happy. And that's oh, I, I'm tremendously happy. Yeah, I just got married in February. It's been uh, a year now. It's been just a year. Yeah, it's been a year. Life's good. Life's great, man. Uh, Man, I enjoy it now. I enjoy my sunrises and sunsets. I'm not trying to run from Satan's birds and get to bed before the sun comes up. I'm getting up at sunrise now. So, yeah, <laughs> I used to be hiding. No, I got to beat the birds in the sun. I got to get in there, get in my coffin, you know. But uh, uh, now life's good, and I'm blessed to stay busy and still get to do what I love. Uh, I owe pro wrestling everything. It owes me nothing, man. I'm I'm just blessed to be a part of it. So, gangy, here's what we're going to do. We're going to head to our third count. And um, come back with a couple questions from our listeners and get you out of here. Okay. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. So let's set it up right. to our third count right now. This is your three count. Hey, we're back, guys. Uh, so we got a question here, real quick. I want to get this too because I want to hear your thoughts on it. Um, from our buddy WWE Master, he asked, um, Were you ever discussed on making a return at WrestleMania 39 with Edge? Um, obviously a lot of rumor and innuendo with this hell and cell match, um, with, uh, the demon Finn Balor. Um, they may have just, they may have discussed it, but my phone never rang. I actually mm -hmm. started reading all this stuff and people was calling me. And, uh, so I wrote Adam edge and said, Hey, do you know how this started? And he, he just made a joke. Um, uh, these magazines, these writers think they know everything. And I laughed. I go, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I don't know. I tried to tell a guy to tell him, no, I wasn't doing it, but he still ran the story anyways. And he goes, well, to be fair, it was pitched, but never happened so I, it was pitched but i never heard about it i didn't know anything about it they never yeah. reached out to me so yeah but i guess apparently edge is always pitching something for me i think he pitched SummerSlam for me too and he got shot down so. oh that's too bad he's a good kid man he's a, not a kid he's a good guy man he's a great guy <laughs> uh, no i know he, he, he is a good guy and not just because he's canadian but uh you know uh, uh, was it was that uh, your favorite iteration of being in the WWE? Because you know you were there, you left, you came back a few times. Was that uh, uh, that you know, despite the issues with the Attitude Era outside of the ring, <laughs> mm -hmm. was that your best time in in WWE? Your best uh, 
uh, stretch. Let's put it that way. In WWE, yes, the Brood uh, feuding the Hardys that was that was tremendous. That was that was a lot of fun. The matches were fun every night. Well, it was a blessing. It was just it was just fun. It was just like, hey, this is wrestling. But you know, you had to deal with stuff like they'd come in. Like when I first started, I was just working. I was working Edge at first, shooting Edge, and every night at house shows. And you know how it goes. They'll come back in and say, you can't do that. You got to take these moves out. You got to do this and that. So they kind of took all the offense away. But then uh, when Edge and I got together. Like offense kind of came back against the Hardys because they they saw they're gonna take they're gonna take crazy stuff anyway. So um so it got yeah. fun again. So so it got it, it, it for a while we was working edge, they were trying to tone us down for whatever reason, especially on house shows and then maybe because they're just looking out for our bodies, or maybe the other older guys they want us doing it. I don't know. But then uh when we started feuding the Hardys, it was a lot of fun because we'd come up with the innovative tag stuff and it was just awesome. So you said earlier that the brood was only eight months, which is very shocking to me and very newsworthy. I, I just did not realize that. I, I felt like it was part and etched in my life where it was so awesome. Um, my question to you and the actual panel, name me a three-man band like The Brood since The Brood. And can you name one, Gangi? Can you name something that's been better than The Brood? Because I can't. And I thought about this well, uh, Better than the brood because the entrance with the fire and the music and it was just something special. It's hard to recreate that. You can't recreate it. It's really hard to top special moments and like you just can't recreate Coke. You know, you can have vanilla, you know, this and that. But uh, you know, the, it, it, no, I, I I don't know. Uh, maybe the Wyatts came close. Wyatt family, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe. I, I never, I never, I never even thought about them, but, yeah. but I still don't think that's on that level. I'm saying, Jimmy, RJ, anything? No, uh, until you until uh, Genki mentioned the the Wyatts, I couldn't think of one. And like you said, the Wyatts don't even come close because, and it's no offense to the other members, but you know, Bray was just so, as far as from a character standpoint, so far ahead of the, everybody else. With all due respect to the others, you know what I mean. Whereas in the brood, yes, you had a great character there with the with the yeah. Gangrel character, but Edge and Christian played off. You guys played off each other so well; it just and, and gelled, meshed well. And the brood was very free bird driven, so we were just copying the free birds as vampires, man. <laughs> yes, absolutely, man, absolutely. Yeah. because that was like my favorite. Actually, was the free birds, man. So. Like, <laughs> So, so I had to ask. I had to ask this because I've done some stuff with uh, with D'Lo back in the uh, TNA days where we did the tough, not tough enough, but uh, um, shit. Uh, never can think of it. But anyway, where we would bring in students supposedly that want to be wrestlers, kind of thing, and they would do a tryout. Uh, have you ever sat there and just be honest now? And saw someone come in and just been like, dude, get the fuck out of here. You're 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 not gonna cut it. Let me save you your money now. Here's your check back. Get the fuck out. You're just not gonna I'll, do it. Oh well, I've said it in my head more than I've said it out loud. But I have <laughs> said it. I, I have said it out loud, and and they've proven me wrong. <laughs> some really? Of, some of them actually proven me wrong. Go, I would, I would try to run them out of there. There's one girl now in there running stuff for me right now that I literally picked up by the collar up 
and tried to throw her out of the ring. And she grabbed the ropes like a, a friggin' spider locked on us. I'm not going anywhere. This is where I belong. My gosh, she's in there running the class for me right now. <laughs> no way. So, yeah. So I've never learned. I've learned to, uh, this comes with maturity over the years and running the school. I've never, you know, there's some people that they sh definitely have like uh, physical handicaps that are not, they're not going to get signed by, like WWE, obviously, do medical reasons and stuff like that. Uh, but I've never been one to want to like crap on their dreams and stuff like that. So if they're willing to do the work and they don't get scared off by the work and this and that, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. They might not be, uh, they might not go to WWE or or Impact or anything like that. But I'll do my best that they won't be embarrassing themselves. They'll be the best pro wrestler they could possibly be. You know. <laughs> They come in there and put their work in. I do try to run them off through hard work, but if they stick it out, then I, I'm just going to train them. <laughs> that's that's so very common for real. So, you obviously you mentioned Coastal Championship Wrestling. You're training the head trainer there. Uh, who out of that group there um, do you see um, really that next big thing coming out of your school? Uh, you mentioned some of those people uh, that you trained already. Um, yeah, just to give uh, them the flowers. Well, yeah, I've trained like Jacob too, Jacob Fatu and, and Rusa Miro and all that. But right now, in there, actually in the school right now is a fellow named Damian Fenrir. Uh, his uncle was uh, called. They called his uncle El Presidente. He pitched a perfect game. He played for Baltimore Orioles. He's uh, this kid's just a tremendous athlete. He's a uh, Costa Rican Nicaraguan. Good looking guy, great body, got a vertical. He could jump higher than my pickup truck. You know, he could probably jump over it. You know, wow. he's tremendous. Yeah, yeah, he, great body. And he's a hard worker. He's in there busting, busting ass. He's not in the beginner's class, but he shows up and still runs all the beginning stuff with them uh, and then goes into the advanced class. Ruthie J, another girl, just walked by as we were doing an interview and waved. I don't know if you see me wave at her. Uh, she's <laughs> another one that's going to break out soon. The girl, super talented. Uh, she's Dominican and Haitian. But uh, just just athletic and gets it, knows how to put a match together, understands the psychology, uh, has enough of the uh, flippy in her, but knows where to put the flippy when it's needed and doesn't put it too much. Uh, and uh, Lakai, uh, another big buck of a dude. Uh, he's in there. He's called Lakai. Those three definitely, definitely. And then uh, there's some younger ones that have just started. It's hard to say. If they get their bodies going the right direction, it, it's, it's almost – you know, there's more better chance of making a pro football team there is in a pro wrestling company sometimes, but yeah, uh, like WWE for you know example. But uh, they made it easier over the years, I think, with camps and different things. But uh, I, you know, the rest of them are gonna have to get their bodies in check. And 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 you know, I was just having to talk with them as I started class, going, you know, first thing people look at is a picture or they, they, they see the body, they then they then they wonder if you can work or not, you know. So you got to get in the gym and uh, physical and. Uh, put the work in, you know, not just in the ring. You can't just rely on your talent. You got to physically be in shape. You got to look the part, walk the walk, talk the talk. So, uh, but those three are definitely on well on their way. If they don't at least get somewhere, Japan or something, I'd be really surprised. And I don't really say that, but they're that talented. They're that talented. So, so, uh, so, Gangy, uh, how explain the process of how this works? So, you train these kids and you have your special ones, obviously, because. Obviously, you're in the game to have a winner. And mm -hmm. if you feel as strong as you do about the three you named, where do you go from here? Like, in other words, do you, do you start calling people? Do you start, like, how do these no, That's where I, I feel like I'm uh, thrown in their side because they're waiting for me to say they're ready. 
you know, even though I feel mm. that they are, I never say that. I don't, I'm not a political guy, so I don't call, even though I've done the performance center, I was just there in January, uh, uh as a guest coach. I mean, I should call Matt Bloom. I mean, it's to that point. I should call and say, Hey, I got three people that really deserve a tryout. Whether you want them or not, you should give them a look, you know, but I don't do that. And I feel really bad and guilty. And I, I sit up and you ask that I sit up all the time going, man, I need to just, make a call, but I've never been a guy that would call and ask people for nothing or nothing. And I'm constantly telling them, Hey, have you filled your uh, resumes out? Have you done, you know, whatever that online thing is and stuff. I don't even understand the process now, you know? Uh, so I feel like sometimes I'm holding them back in a way and I feel really bad about it. But, uh, uh you know, now that you've even said that you're, you're making me think again, I feel even more guilty that I'm probably going to have to get off here and send an email tonight before I go to bed for these guys. <laughs> <laughs> Where's what we're going to do, man? We want to close up shop for you. All I know right. you need to get back in there. I know you're OCD as fuck and you're ready to. Can you tell? So um, I want you to plug anything you want to plug. Do whatever you want to do. Tell everybody where they can reach you. Tell everybody where. Just tell everybody okay. what yeah. you fucking do, yeah. man. Yeah. So, so I'm here at Coastal Championship Wrestling. You can find me under Gangrel. David Heath on Facebook or Gangrel13 on Instagram. Uh, I've got a lot of cool projects going on. CCW runs about 100. 50 shows a year uh but they've also uh oh. me and kevin sullivan have taken on another little side project a reboot of championship wrestling from florida so uh we're going to redo the studio try to build uh the studio just like the old studio run old storylines character driven and keep it a lot of fun hopefully it works out it's uh the budget's low right now and uh we have people interested in it but we got to get uh some pilot shot so like there's no promises or nothing but it does uh, have a lot of interest and and we're both very excited about it. So I'm learning so much uh, on the other side of the table. Uh, just listening to Kevin, his mind is great, and 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 just learning, you know, how to how to book things and looking at it a totally different way and understanding things. Uh, he's still he's still all there, and I'm just grateful to be learning that. So looking forward to that project. So I'm still I'm somewhere every weekend. I just filmed the movie called The After Dark, a vampire movie, and. I was out in Vegas, so that'll be out in a year. I mean, there's a lot of cool things, but mostly I'm just here training people and wrestling every weekend. I can't even name the companies. I'm somewhere different every weekend. I'm in Jersey Friday <laughs> night. I'm in somewhere Saturday, South Carolina Sunday, back home Monday, right to the school. So it's a seven day, a seven day a week roller coaster, man. But it's a good roller coaster this time. It's not not with the bad hoopty hoops. It's a good loopy loop. So uh, I'm enjoying life and I'm very blessed, man. And thank you guys for having me on here. No, thank you for joining us. It, it was an absolute pleasure, and it was good to see you, my friend. And I want yes. to thank you as well because I had a great time back in those days uh, getting to work. Uh, with it was a blast. It was a blast, man. You, you, yeah. uh, and, and I appreciate you uh, very much, and uh, especially for coming on with us tonight. And uh, and as as uh, Brian said, leaving your class for a little bit because I know it's killing you. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, and by the way, yeah. I'll, I'll close shop with this. And I don't know if you remember this or not. I would think you would. We were at that little military place that we were in Portland. And it was you against Hammerstein, uh, who is the... <laughs> You're giggling already, so you remember. Uh, you came to me, and you thought your performance was poor, I guess, because you came to me, and you said, did I look like an old man in there? Did I fuck that spot up? And I looked at you, I said, what spot? And I took a ref bump, and I was like, I didn't even see the spot because I was fucking knocked out. And you were like, you were like oh, okay, well, how about the spots previously to that? I was like, <laughs> yeah hey, man i mean so i always look for somebody that can be brutally honest because i need that person to tell me get that 
hell out of the ring, man. You're not good for the business anymore or yourself, you know, uh, because I don't want to, I love it so much. It, I could justify things. I need somebody uh, that I trust to go, Hey man, that's pretty bad. You don't even want to think about wrapping it up there and stick with the coaching. <laughs> but, well, you're right. I am that guy, but you were, you were just beating yourself up. And, uh, I don't know oh, why. Great it's, it's my nature. The scorpion and the frog. It's just my nature. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever heard of abyss? Yeah. Okay. Well, you sounded just like him that night. Yeah, he's a great guy, man. <laughs> he is. And you know what? And you know what that means? That means you care about the business a whole fucking lot, dude. And that's awesome. He does, too. Uh, yeah, well, thank you, man. Thank you. And thanks for having me on there. It's good to see you, B. <laughs> thank you, buddy. You, too. Now, get in there, because I know you're going to jump out the yeah. car, shut the door, leave all your shit in there. <laughs> <laughs> I am. All right. <laughs> Take care, guys. Thank you. Thank you, all buddy. Right, Bye. Man, I think we just got taken uh, taken to school. Listen, a lot of those stories from Gangrel. One of those guys that he doesn't get his flowers. I don't think uh, mm -hmm. a lot of people don't realize how great of a trainer he he really is and always has been. Yeah, absolutely underrated in that aspect of this business. People just assume, oh, he's that vampire guy and that sort of thing. He is a great mind and he's a good dude. And I'm happy to see him again. And I know Brian, you've seen him. Uh, uh, not too long ago, and uh, you know, I—that's the one thing I miss. I miss the good guys. Me too, man. You know, and here's the thing: he hasn't changed. And what he doesn't realize is that he's probably one of the kindest, hard person that I've ever met. He would do anything for you. And I mean, could you imagine a guy that knows all he knows about the business with a kind heart, trying to train people to be and go to the next level? I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's pretty crazy, man. I hear you. I hear you. You know, a couple of other guys have been crazy good in what they do. Uh, is JD Hoop does amazing graphics for the show each and every week. He surprises us with the great graphics, not only for our show, but the great work that he's been doing across the board in and out of the wrestling business. Uh, and the AJ McKay, the voice that you hear each and every week, introducing us and taking us from. Uh, count to count guys great to be have mm -hmm. them part of our team as well um jimmy uh you're all over man if it's not your ref to sh ref to chef or your ref and rants you're over there at wrestling inc man mm -hmm. you, you you do it all i don't know how you find time yeah i try it's not easy but uh you know like you said i love doing my ref and rants uh, on all my social media platforms you can find them out there they're only a minute long and they're meant to be fun a little critiques to help build, not to tear down. And also, you know, uh, doing the stuff with Wrestling Inc., uh, the post-Raw uh, review and the post-Dynamite uh, review, and sometimes PWEs and that sort of stuff. But anyway, that being said, again, I also thank JD and AJ for their hard work. And I, you too, RJ, and my good brother in Stripes, Brian, thank you. Always have a blast doing this. Thank you guys very much, man. I, I, I really feel like momentum is going to go well. I think that people are enjoying what we're putting out and uh, that's all that matters really. You know, mm -hmm. it's about entertaining and being, I don't know, ourselves and just let people know what we do, you know what I mean? And how it was, we were doing it. Yeah. So uh, I'm very blessed to have each and every one of you guys, uh, JD and, uh, and JD. Wow. He did, he did some amazing things uh, at, at WrestleMania and AJ, I, I don't care what anybody says. I have the best opening 
on podcasting platforms. I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it. And by the way, I never mentioned it when I want to. And I, I mentioned it earlier because RJ reverted to it, but I wasn't even meaning it. But anyway, you better get your manscape, boys. Because <laughs> those underwear are something. I have them on right now. I'm sitting here comfortably. My, I have no ball sweat. My ass ain't sweating. All of it's supported. And oh my God, feeling so good. But anyway, uh, <laughs> That, yep. That's Manscaped, manscaped.com slash refin. That's R-E-F-I-N for 20% and free shipping. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You better get it. Um, but, yeah, it, the the fun's going to keep going next week, guys. Next week, we're going to go over. He, you heard uh, Gangrel talk about him time and time again during this episode. We're going to be going over the career of Edge next week. Um, couple matches that we're going to look forward to. Jimmy, we talked about it. Uh, I can't remember if it was and what um show we talked about it but we're going to go over the uh edge versus undertaker match you did with him wrestlemania mm-hmm. 24 what's something that we can look forward to hearing from uh from you about that match uh that uh, I, I how i got to referee that match let's leave it at there that you, there you go even better uh and then nice. see, to see a different side of the coin you get a nice serious Hell of a match between Edge and Undertaker. We're going to go to another match where it's a hair versus hair match from Judgment Day 2002 between Edge and Kurt Angle. Brian, you had the fortune to uh, to do that match with two legitimately the best wrestlers of all time. I'm just going to say this, and I'm not going to say anything more because I don't want to spoil it. Uh, but using your lingo, what a banger of a match. Yeah, that works, guys. Well, each and every one of you, thank you for tuning in this week. Jimmy, thank you for being here. Brian, thank you for being here. And we'll see you all here next week on Reffing It Up. One, two, three.